and welcome back to the Not So Fit Couple podcast with your hosts, Lucy Davis and Benjamin Holden. So today's, well, actually, I was about to dive in first. Wait, then. no, well, I've done it first, but it's a, <laughs> I don't know, it was last week's episode, the episode before we did the intro to the show with jokes. We had a lot of, I had so many DMs of people <laughs> yeah, saying, I, I was walking down the street just pissing myself. And my jokes, and some, obviously. some people said we should do that more often to the open to show what you think. Yeah, I think so. Maybe we should do two each. Well, maybe you should. Maybe people should vote on the YouTube channel and just say yes or no. Like if it's just it was one of those things that took a while to get into, I'll probably ignore you anyway and just do the jokes. But um, do leave a comment on there. I've actually got one ready for today. The, uh, we didn't tell. I yeah, wasn't, not, we're not I doing didn't it. I'm, I'm leaving it open to the public. But I'll I'll just crack one off to you. Ready? Is it read again? <laughs> you don't know until I told the joke. Okay. Right, you ready? Get your game face on. Okay. Okay. Why does Santa Claus have such a big sack? Because he's got a lot of balls. He only comes once a year. (laughs) (laughs) That's so naughty, isn't it? (laughs) That's so naughty. (laughs) Santa's getting put on the naughty list. No. Well, I mean, that's... Yeah. I understood than, that one straight away. He's worse than the Pope. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I got that one though. That was quite good. You must just have a website up that's like rude. No, are these coming, jokes. These are coming straight from the dirty, filthy mind of Beach. Yeah, 100%. Also, this week's episode is sponsored by Coro. Coro. Oh my gosh. Can we just show everybody how neatly I've, yeah. I've done these as well? So, I've been watching a program called The Home Edit on. Netflix and they organize everything in jars of labels and here we are with our Coro so products. So Lucy's holding, I think it's the peanut butter. That br- is peanut butter bites. brittle. And I've got the coconut, uh, dark chocolate coconuts. Don't you can see that on the screen as well? Yeah, they're literally phenomenal. I mean, yeah. I've been eating away at them and they these are just delicious. I think everything in a jar also looks makes better. it seem looks great. It's like Can when you put a condom on a penis, it looks bigger <laughs> or smaller. Whoa! Here you go. Who you been looking at? Not me. <laughs> So I've just I really nibbled one of the coconut bites so I'm not having another one but I'll have This is what I'm showing everybody on camera. This is the peanut butter brittle. Um, I am going to eat off off microphone because someone actually commented don't eat on microphone because I can appreciate them. Someone someone left a review. (laughs) They left us a one star because when we did a, I think it was either Coro plug or we did something and they were like, it's absolutely disgusting that you ate down the microphone. Well, it's actually, we were doing a food tasting test. So mm. I apologize for that. But please don't leave us a one one star for that because that's just so Think snide. All, that. all the fucking content that you leave all year round because you, you're eating something, someone leaves a one star review, that fucks up all your reviews. Yeah. So, please, so if that's you listening, delete it. Yeah. Well, please <laughs> everyone else, go and leave some good reviews for us as well just to set the balance out a little bit. Mm. That's really tasty. Um, Cal, do you want to try one of these, by the way? Do you want a yeah, peanut obviously. butter brittle? I'll take one of both. And also score out of seven. Score it. Score it. Look at that. Cal with the subtle plugs. I'm going for the absolute large one to get my hands on. And yeah, it's so good. Out of seven. <laughs> yeah, give Cal one of the coconut ones as well. None of them Compare and contrast. Well, you're fingering it as well before you give Sorry, it to Sorry, I've got clean hands. Oh, good What's people's thoughts on that? Well, passing food from hand to hand instead of just offering the jar? Oh, De- depends who you know. Okay, what are we saying? I know people? Cal. Okay, what are you saying, sir? Cal, who just categorically eating down the mic. The mic by the way. <laughs> it's just girls after you, you've given us, you've given us another one star yeah. rating for eating down the mic. I do apologise, and Cal Clark. That peanut thing, so good. Good. What else? Yeah, seven. Well good. Like a six. Yeah. Nothing. Give me seven. 
I I say the thing we had last time was seven. Yeah, that was yeah. The, the, cook, the cookie clusters. The cookie clusters. Coro is impressive. Yeah, I'm not yeah. Saying I put it, no, no. I put it the other day on my story, and I have no obligations to post it on Instagram or anything. Best natural foods that there is, mm. and because at the moment I'm really suffering with IBS, I'm obviously in my diet cleaned up a little, a little bit more. I'm having more natural foods. These are, these are like the only chocolate snacks I can have at the moment that don't cause me bloat and stuff. Yeah, digestive issues basically. Mm. I just had that dark chocolate coconut. coconut. That is like. A bougie bounty. Bougie <laughs> bounty. That is a fucking great description. Bougie right. bounty. Oh my yeah. God. And if you would like to get some bougie bounties or some of the peanut butter brittles or anything else from Coro, because we order uh, oat milks and coffees and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, we've got well a lot of kombucha and like little ginger things. It is I very love. bougie. You can get, we'll, we'll leave the link, link in the description of the podcast show notes and on YouTube. And you can save money by using code uh, not so fit five. Not so fit five. There you go, everybody. And. Talking about food food and calories, we obviously needed to touch on a topic that was released into the media on the 6th of April. This episode is going live on the 14th, so it's pretty damn fresh. Now, it's all about the calories being introduced on menus. The calorie counts have been added to menus in big pubs, fast food, cafes and restaurant chains across England as of Wednesday the 6th of April. Ben made a really good point, actually, that I didn't realize. It's restaurants, pubs, etc., with over... 250 employees. Because I think that was people's big backlash affair. So, like, how a small business is supposed to sort of do su- survive and, and do all this. Because it's a big job to do all that. They don't have to, basically. Yes. However, the government is encouraging smaller businesses to adopt calorie labeling as part of its drive to improve the nation's health and tackle obesity. So before me and Ben give our own opinions on this, because everyone has opinions on it, we've seen quite heavily on social media. I basically just wanted to actually give you some stats and statistics in terms of why this has been brought into England. Now, it is estimated that Overweight and obesity-related conditions across the UK cost the NHS 6.1 billion a year. Almost two-thirds, 63% of adults in England are overweight or living with obesity, and 40% of children leave primary schools overweight or obese. And obesity is also the second biggest cause of cancer across the UK, and that's something that I wasn't even aware of. I knew the stats in terms of it was high in terms of over- overweight and obesity. I didn't know it was 40% of kids leaving school mm-hmm. and the fact that obesity is the second biggest cause of cancer across the UK. And obviously one of the things that the government is saying is since the COVID pandemic, it highlighted the impact that obesity could have on someone's yeah, health. 100%. And we had actually done a podcast on this in the midst of the pandemic, talking about the relationship between COVID-19 and obesity and actually the health implications and this is why the government have bought in this initiative there's pros and cons everyone can say it from both sides but i think it's also important that we do touch on what we personally think about this topic essentially shone a a magnifying glass on an issue which we already knew was a problem but we found out why what wow there's there's absolute actually massive implications that have never been so real here and now that would only otherwise be a big or have a big impact later in life. Mm-hmm. And that's what COVID did with the obesity epidemic was it really highlighted how bad and how severe especially it is in, in the UK. So obviously one of the, the things that the government were going to address straight away was 
some kind of policy that helped with reducing obesity. It's not going to be short term. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It's going to have to be a long term solution. And I'm sure there'll be other policies that come in to try and fight this as well. And also, I think one of the interesting things that a lot of people are saying, I say a lot of people, it's predominantly anti-diet culture. And I can understand why they feel a certain way about the topic. Mm -hmm. I do think you have to be open-minded about it and not just solely focus on one category. But there's a lot of people saying that there's no scientific evidence that this is going to work for every single person. That's not the point of it. It's categorically not going to work for 63% of the population who are overweight or obese. But imagine if it helps mm -hmm. 10% or 15%. I know it's not a massive number, but it's still a number which is going to reduce the strain on the NHS. Yeah. People are looking at it very, very black and white, like it's not 100% going to work. It doesn't, it doesn't have to 100% work. Mm -hmm. It could just help a few thousand people. I'm going to give my two pence piece on the calories on menus debate because... I've been very torn about this and I just I've looked at some of the posts that have been going up, some of the arguments, and then look at looking at some of the research. So there's no real from the real life studies that have already been done from labels and calorie counting on foods, there's been no evidence to show that it works. And there's been no evidence to show that it actually helps and affects behavior change, which is what obviously the government was looking for mm. with this policy. However, I think it does have a lot of positive effects in an indirect way. So some of those positives will include food choices. So I think some people may go to the restaurants and, and actually look at the menu and go, okay, that's high in calories, so we won't have that. That's what the desired effect may be. The second thing that may happen is that foods, uh, sorry, restaurants actually reduce the amount of calories in meals because they don't want people coming to the restaurant going, fuck me, how many calories are on my menu compared to such and such? I'll just go there. The third thing that I think might happen is that a lot of these people who don't want to know the calories or people who have suffered with eating disorders may then go and support small independent businesses because none of those will have the calories on there. And the fourth thing that I think it will help with is if people go out and would typically shy away from certain foods or go for the big salad over a burger, they may actually look at the calories on the menu and go, wow, fucking hell. This burger is actually lower calorie than that big Caesar salad. I'm going for the burger instead because usually I wouldn't have my favorite food because I always deemed it bad for me because people told me that salad's better. So I think there's a lot of effects that this label on calories could have that people don't even really think about. People are just thinking it's a negative thing for some people who have eating disorders. But in the same respect, it might help them look at food choices and say, do you know what? I can have this. Okay, it might not be as nutritionally dense, but there's still other factors at play rather than just numbers. Yeah, I think that's really true what you said there in terms of the, you go for a large chicken Caesar salad when you're out. And I'm speaking from experience when I personally had an eating disorder. I would go for the large salad. Always chicken Caesar, I don't know why. It was like the only, isn't like that's the only it's salad like on a menu. Or it's a safe one, safe bet. Yeah, and that could have like a thousand calories. Easy. Whereas I would have chosen that over maybe like a burger and fries, which could have like 700, 800. And... With the calories, so save the calories were next to it, it can help people get more quality and quantity of food if they know what's in it. Mm -hmm. So one of my friends messaged me yesterday. She was like, I went out for dinner to Wagamama's last night and the calories were on the menu. She, I mean, she doesn't care. She, she didn't take note of it. But she was like, there's 700 calories in the, I think it's like the Bang Bang cauliflower, which is like spiced cauliflower. People think it's the lowest thing on the menu. And she was like, oh, I got like three other sides, which equaled the same calories as one. And she assumed like the three other things, it was like pork. So I don't know what they were, but 
but you can have three other things mm. rather than just one thing because she actually was like, oh my God, I didn't realize there was so much in that one. I'm going to have three for one. And people just, they can make more informed decisions about the food that they're having. Mm-hmm. And it might benefit some people to actually know, oh God, like burgers and fries over chicken Caesar salad. Yeah, 100%. I think there's there's arguments for both, isn't there? Because at the end of the day, this policy has been brought out to try and affect the majority of people. Those, those people are, obese so it's mm. not okay well now i'm gonna go out for a meal and i can't have my favorite thing well sometimes we can't act always act on il- impulses and what we want sometimes you need a little bit of what you need with what you want so that you get a solution long term which is going to be a healthy future yeah not not just fuck it all the time obviously the big backlash has been from people with eating disorders who it's it, it probably ever going to have a big impact on mm-hmm. agreed agreed the thing with this is some people like to jump on it because it's a topic which suits their narrative and their agenda because it helps them with views and likes and stuff i've come from a place where i suffered a really really bad eating disorder to the point where i never took my own life so i'm going to comment on this from also my point of view of someone who's had an eating disorder before the argument being is that it's going to disrupt people who have eating disorders or people who are recovering what i would say to that is and it's not the solution is People with eating disorders, i.e. me, I already knew what the fucking calories on the on the, the menu was, the meal was before I was even going to go out because that ingrained into my eating disorder. Or two, I just wouldn't go out anyway. Mm. I wouldn't be going out because my eating disorder would, would stop me. However, I don't think that we, sh- we should change policy to try and help a big portion of the population based on it. Um, other people potentially being pissed off. I'm going to try and wear that as well as I can. I think this should be a solution to try to... Put, a policy to potentially help the obesity epidemic but then we also need to look at other groups i.e people who have eating disorders and look at support for them i.e more access to therapy doctors gain giving access to therapy more support more groups for people to talk in the support for, for each person not one policy is a negative knock-on effect to another group because that group of people who suffer with eating disorders when i had mine there wasn't the support there wasn't the help I had to go off and pay for a lot of stuff myself and find out a lot of things. And there's not tons of people talking about it. So there just needs to be support for the different portions of the populations with different struggles as well. Yeah, like literally couldn't agree more because the really hard thing is, so myself and Ben are speaking from people, so ourselves, who have had eating disorders, we've suffered with them. We categorically knew what was in the food. I'd already been on like Nando's, I'd go on the Nando's website, I'd add it up in my fitness pal. So I'd ri- arrive at the restaurant already knowing what I was going to get. And this is the case for a lot of people who do have eating disorders. They will already know what is what is in their food before they've arrived at a restaurant, yeah. which, is, which is so true. And I think something really important to take note of is if the calories on menus has been a trigger for you, and I know it's been a trigger to a lot of people. I spoke to a lot of people with eating disorders about this. I think this is where you would go and seek help from someone in the best way possible. And what we'll actually do, we'll drop a few links below mm-hmm. in the podcast show notes and the description, things like that, where if you if you are triggered by this and we can completely understand why for you to go somewhere to talk to someone, because I think there are a few pages as well where you can actually just get information for free. There's a lot of information about the different types of eating disorders and these could really help you. And this is where it's obviously, it's a topic that needs to be discussed because 
it's it's doing it for the majority of the population who 63%, which is over 50% of adults in the UK, sorry, not the UK in England, are overweight or obese. Mm -hmm. So as you said there, this is for them, which is the majority. You can't argue like 63% isn't going more of a majority. But yes, 100%, the government also now needs to look at the other side and look at those people who have eating disorders, who have disorderly eating and see what they can do for them. I mean, I don't know the answer of what that could be. Obviously the therapy thing, uh, maybe like focus groups or discussions where you can talk to other people and it, it's hard, isn't it? I wouldn't know what to suggest. Yeah. But yeah, seeking help in like a different way, which is also just as affordable yeah. for those for those groups. Yeah, we spoke about this from different sides. For me, I'm I'm pro it happening because I think people should have access to the information that they need to make more informed decisions. It's then just making sure that people have the knowledge to make those decisions, which again is what, what we're here for as educators as well. I think one of the other solutions that was asked by people is why can't we have two menus? It's because yeah. the people who fucking need the information, the people who are obese, the people who need to see those calories will just go, do you know what? Just get, I don't want the, the menu of all the calories on or I'm not going to scan the, the barcode because I don't want to know what they are. Mm. So it, it happens with lots of stuff in life, finances, price, labels on cost of foods. There's there's a list of information there. When you go and get a car, it shows you the APR, how much you're going to pay back, how much you're essentially going to be in debt so that you can make informed decisions of whether you can afford it. Mm. Same with calories on menus. You look at what your daily caloric intake is if you're trying to lose weight, and it'll help you make an informed decision of how many calories we've got spare to spend today. Yeah, one of, one of the really interesting things actually, so I don't actually know when this happened, but obviously with Costa, Starbucks, Nero, all of those, they put the calories on the board Yeah. in a, in a coffee shop. Why wasn't there an uproar about that when you notice your caramel macchiato venti with cream is 700 calories? There was never an uproar about that. I think people were actually quite shocked at how many calories are in like a Starbucks drink, like a large latte, what, 300 calories with full fat milk. And people didn't seem against it at all. It it, it was kind of, oh my God, like there's so much, so many calories in a venti latte mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And people thought that was a good thing. That's what I took away from it anyway. Yeah, yeah. And they were making more informed decisions from that. Like, oh, I won't have two large lattes. Maybe I'll just have one or I'll have semi-skin milk or I'll have a cappuccino. And there was no uproar or social media blitz about that. Drinking liquids, so there's there's calories in liquids and there's calories in food, a calorie is a calorie. Why is it so different? And there's so much controversy around it now being put on food menus when there wasn't on the drink menus. I think when it's enforced... As human beings, when we get choice taken away from us, when uh, people start to kick off with stuff. Yeah. Was it not, was it enforced by, I, I should have even Well, this is enforced this by the government now, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I, I wonder if the Starbucks one no, and stuff I don't think was. It was. That was just, they probably needed to because people were like 700 calories in a it, large drink. Again, though, people who, and this comes down to the decisions that you make with food and what you do on the weekend. Mm. Some people will go for a Nando's over going for, I don't know, a Five Guys because they believe that they, the calories are going to be better. I don't know off the top of my head, I would argue to some degree that some of the meals you get from Nando's are going to be higher calories than what you get from Five Guys, by the way. Do you remember when we went to Nando's with James Smith and Darren? Yeah. And I said to James, order my, just order me a Nando's, whatever meal it was. And he ordered it and then he we he counted the calories up because it was part of a YouTube video. My one meal was 1,700 calories. Yeah, that's... 1,700. Yeah. And all I had was a double chicken breast pita with pineapple and some jam on chips a side of something else and then a bit of 
dip, I think, and maybe some uh, halloumi cheese. Wasn't a buffet, 1,700 calories. That is some people's daily caloric intake. Yeah, well, I just Googled then the Nando's hummus peri-peri drizzle that's thing. the highest thing on the menu, isn't which it? Which is is a starter, and that's 815 calories. Especially that, isn't it? Yeah, it's fucking great. I get it every single time. Oh. So for me, that wouldn't phase me. I'd still get that. And I do understand for a lot of people, but also, is this not now more beneficial that people can be like, oh, instead of that, I could probably have two starters for just one of those, yeah. or I could have more or less of a certain thing. I think for me as well, what one of the stats that just struck me so hard was the fact that 40% of kids leave primary school overweight or obese. And for children, it could actually be beneficial to understand nutritional values, not just learn about the what's that, the food plate, have this amount of carbs, this amount of protein, this amount of fat. They need to, I'm not talking about like young, young kids. I'm talking about 10, 11, 12, when you go up a bit. But you can't just, it's like hiding a price tag in a shop from a kid. You You wouldn't do it. You need your children to understand the value of certain things and when you go to the supermarket. And I just, I I think that's a really high stat, 40% of children, because, so the calories put on menus, hopefully, in my eyes, that'll help educate parents. That's what I was going to say. With their nutrition for their own kids. And maybe it might, it might change up how they pack their lunches, or it might even change how high schools or primary schools, what they serve the kids at lunchtime. I don't know if it'll affect primary schools though, because they're, they're, do they have 250 staff to wear that? I don't know. It's got to be oh, no, no, sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean that. I just meant maybe this whole new policy and the stat that's just come out about 40% of kids leave primary school obese. Maybe some of the teachers and staff who work there are going to be like, okay, look, we need to maybe, do we need to do an initiative? Do we need to get the kids moving? Well, they had more? the whole Jamie Oliver shit like all yeah, kicked off years ago, wasn't it? I don't carry on, did it? I don't know. I, uh, I've been that, lo- that long since I've really engaged the school menus and what's going on with that. I have no idea what the initiatives are at the moment. Yeah, but... My point with that as well, a lot of people are saying it's it's going to give my 10-year-old daughter an eating disorder. I don't really think it would. I think it would just... Well, we know it can be... There's correlation there between people who are using MyFitnessPal and calorie counting and eating disorders, but there's no link of causation, i.e. which way it tends to go, i.e. Yeah. does using MyFitnessPal cause people to have eating disorders or the people with eating disorders tend to sway more towards calorie counting. We mm. don't we don't know. There's, we don't know the evidence behind it. But because you can't put yourself in a ten year old girl's shoes, can you? If she saw calories in menu, it might just she might not even wouldn't even know what it means. Or would she grow up understanding nutrition a little bit more? You you just don't you actually don't know and we can't put a point on that because it's only came in on the sixth of April. Yeah. So we'd have to let you know in ten years time. There's no, it's, the, it's the same with learning finances. That I think giving people the information to make decisions on what they need. There's always going to be people who end up bankrupt and gamble and overspend and get in debt. It's part what? <laughs> it was the Grand National this week. <laughs> this weekend, wasn't it? What's that what it's called? The Grand National, it's yeah. It's the first time that I've ever put a bet on with Ben. Still don't know if we fucking won. No, because the app's not working. But I was like Googling like all the best horses and things like this. Cause I, I mean, I don't understand it at all. I've n- I was just, I don't know what to do. So we're just putting like five pounds or 10 pounds on each way. And like the last stretch, our horse number four was winning. <laughs> I have never been so excited in my life. And then we dropped a second, but now the apps broke. I think we managed to break even, yeah. didn't we? It was a really exciting time though. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> your gambling career over now. 
Um, I've just yeah. quickly looked up the calories in a Five Guys. So yeah, in a, a Five Guys cheeseburger, you've got 610 calories, and then in the fries, you've got 310. So you're looking at like 920. That's like pretty in, great. In a smaller one. If you want to go double cheeseburger, then it comes up to about 1250 calories, but still like 500. This is this the type of thing I'm talking about though, when we're saying, for example, Cheshire Oaks by us, there's literally a Five Guys opposite Nando's. Majority of people would say, oh, I'll go to Nando's because I'm dieting. Whereas yeah. it, we all know that for fat loss, the, the, the real big king is calories. So you're going to choose whatever meal is less calories. That doesn't mean that that meal is the most nutritionally dense. I for me at the moment with the journey I'm on. Um, it spoke about it too much at the moment because I think I've just kind of kicked off with IBS symptoms, been in a lot of pain for the last week or two. A lot of the meals that I am, I'm having at the moment are more nutritionally dense and avoiding foods that are high in saturates and additives and doing the FODMAP stuff. But if the goal is purely weight loss, you're going to choose the one which is lowest calories. So some people like that who would deem Nando's to be the healthier option could have a five guys and be within their calorie remit for the day. I really didn't know that about fat. I mean, this is even That's what I mean, though. coming from me who is, I would say, a professional in the fitness industry. I, I am a professional in the fitness industry. I don't eat, I look at five guys, I'm like, but I'm a, again, not a big burger fan, I'm not a you? big burger fan, so I don't actually eat the food. But that's actually really interesting. I'm popping to five. Well, Saturday, I would rather go there than go to Nando's. I don't even know that. I've never even tried one. Playing devil's, ab- devil's? devil's? devil's advocate with this as well. Mm. I don't know what the stats are for those, that percent of the population that is c- uh, currently obese. And then also which sort of financial threshold they sit in. I mm. Or is the biggest, bigger percent of that population in what would you call the poverty bracket mm. or on uh, less of an income because going for a meal or going to a restaurant in to some degree you've got to be pretty you've got to be pretty privileged you've got to be on a have a, a, a decent amount of finances to be able to take a family out for a meal or go out for meals it's not just not everyone can afford to do that on a week-to-week basis so is this going to help tackle the majority of those people that sit with inside that obesity population? I don't know. Just a question. Do McDonald's have calories on the menu? I, I think they've got it online. I don't know. They've got it in stores. Maybe they do. I don't know. I've got a feeling they've they do. got, they do, don't they? On the digital boards, which again is a really interesting one because I've... It's still not cheaper. No, I don't think. Oh, I me, mean, I think it's gone up in price. Well, no, no, like no, one, no, to be fair, pound, me and Carl, remember we did that YouTube video, Carl, we got a 99 pence burger. There's some stuff on the menu <laughs> which is cheap, cheap but yeah. also if you're going to buy stuff yourself, there's stuff that you can buy which is cheaper to potentially make at home, especially if you're buying like those Iceland meals and stuff, mm. which are chemical warfare, probably frozen to oblivion. That is a really interesting point you just made because, again, I don't have a clue on the stats of that, but yeah, with the maybe there would be another initiative to help those of that specific group because i don't know one of the i saw this questions on facebook was how many people are going out for meals like most people who want to go out for a meal are just doing it once a week as a, as a luxury the thing is though once a week a big meal like that if you go nuts can push mm. you over your, your deficit for the week but the people who are potentially going to benefit more from it are city workers businessmen people who are busy meetings taking meetings every day who are going for meals in restaurants and ordering off menus so there are people going to be in like higher class privileged who are going to be eating out a lot because they're in those type of Mm. demographics which again is just interesting 
So I've just looked it up here. So um, there was a study done two years ago saying that there is a clear socioeconomic factor um, saying that children in, um, so prevalence of obesity in children aged 10 to 11 was 14% higher in deprived areas compared to uh, more privileged areas because yeah. they just don't have the access to the right information. They don't understand the impacts of certain foods. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's increasing year on year apparently. Oh my God. Okay. Well, that's just... That's what I mean. Solidified your point. Yeah. Um, just something like as you were speaking to you about before the podcast. So a lot of the anti-diet culture movement, and this is talk about people who are very like hardcore, as in they are the ones who are going in. But there's there's a variance in this because you're gonna get hardcore people from all walks like and yeah, anti-diet yeah. culture actually spread a pretty positive message. Um I wouldn't class myself as as either diet culture or anti-diet culture, but the people who spread the positive me- message and they're needed to make sure that the balance doesn't tip either way. But then you get extremists who, extremists, that's who like what I was looking just for. jump on a bandwagon and throw shit down people's throat. Um, but it was just something basically saying about the US and the US bought this in in like 2016 or 2018 yeah. in terms of calories on menus. But the obesity and the weight of the population has continued to increase and a lot of people are saying, so why are we now doing it in England? But I do have to say, I feel like America is a complete different, what's that phrase? Pot. Kettle of fish. Kettle of fish. Where's that saying come from? I Who's got a kettle of fish? I don't know. But I do, I do feel like we're comparing England, this little blob on the map to America. It's... But, and also the food in America is 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 actually significantly different to the UK as well. I, I would say every time I've been to the US, it's like... But this is what I'm talking about, though, when they're going off real world studies when and comparison groups. I, the paper that I was talking about before from PubMed, these are only ones we can go off. Yeah. Because that was, that was just, I think three or four people have said the same thing about they've done it in America and it's not worked. Yes, this was this was published in 2015. But there's nothing to say that if it's done in America and it's not reversed the obesity pandemic, it's not saying that it wouldn't have been much worse if they hadn't brought the calorie labels yeah, yeah. in. Yeah. Because it could have been like, if, they, if obesity increased 10% after they brought calorie labels in, yeah. but then if they hadn't have done that, it would have increased 20%, then it's increased. It's done a 10% benefit. Yeah, 100%. People are never going to know, so they're always going to... Yeah, and I also don't think you should compare country on country. What they were comparing though was the with the total amount of calories that were ordered and consumed. What? That's what they. How is that even a statistic? What do you mean? So they weren't actually looking at how the obesity had increased in America. Well, they were looking at what people had ordered. Yeah, because if it, it'll, the whole point of this having these labels will be so people make more conscious decisions about what they <sighs> order. So therefore, the total calories ordered and consumed didn't decrease. Okay. Hmm. I guess also, would you look at it as like, so that has been six years since it happened in America. Seven, but okay. Since 2016? 2015, the paper was published. Oh, okay. 2015. <laughs> Are there... So that people are now five, six years older. Yeah. Kids who were born and now like increased population. I wonder if that would even take into account like increased population. People go are older, they move into high school or college where these foods are more accessible. As in there's a whole another six, seven years on someone's life. Yeah. 
So would that not change the stats anyway? It's taken from a study group. Oh, study group. <laughs> yeah. It's not just a wild thing. They've gone, oh, man, how many people well, have been no, okay. to Nando yeah. today, Jeff? No, okay. Fucking pile of <laughs> calories in. So my point would have been valid there, though, because, I mean, in seven years, you're getting a lot more people born, yeah, yeah. growing up, aging, different categories of food. They'd, yeah, study group. Yeah. Okay, completely just bashed my point. <laughs> no, it, uh, it's an interesting debate because I don't think there's a, a right or wrong answer, but I'm no, I, pro I'm them very being on there. Just, yeah, I think that's... We're, we're more probably we understand the negatives completely we've advised people on those but then we also do I think there's think a lot of positive I think there's a lot of indirect positives that'll come from it what yeah. I say at the start anyway real twist in topics we're yeah. going to talk about relationships <laughs> this is so funny because we were like oh what should we talk about on the podcast this was like last week and like we need to touch on the calories and menus well what we what we tend to touch on the podcast is questions that are coming for for me and you for the week mm. and there's been shit tons on the calories on menus and we always get a lot of relationships the one thing that we wanted to do and we're still trying to organize at the moment with is it a love therapist we're trying to get them on to do like a, a live relationship therapy session with me and lucy which will be interesting so we thought we'd open the door to this by chatting about some of the things that build successful relationships i think especially after we did last week's episode where we spoke about what makes you happy what we, I think we all realize is that the one big thing that can lead to happiness is, or for me, was things that develop your relationships with people. Mm-hmm. So this kind of going over today, and it doesn't matter whether you're in a relationship or you're single, I think you can take things away from this that will help you if you're looking for relationships or you've been stung in relationships before. Yeah, I think an, an important point to make is we're, we're not like relationship <laughs> like specialists. I'm like the love guru. <laughs> We're not relationship specialists or anything like that, but because the question... What was that film with Will Smith in? Hitch. Yeah, Hitch. That was made but, uh, about me. Hitch. Yeah. Um, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't mention Will Smith for but you're slapped. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a naughty pun. Um, yeah, we're not obviously relationship specialists. However, the amount of times me and Ben are asked about our relationship because we live together, we work together, we have two businesses together... And we're in a really great relationship. I think maybe people are just kind of curious if we have any like top relation yeah. tips. I mean, the only book I've read on relationships is the Love Languages. Didn't you listen to it? Read, listen, same thing. <laughs> same difference. <laughs> same difference. Yeah, the five love languages. And okay, so your your two love languages are affection. I think that's that one of them. I think affection is one of them. Shall I Google the five love languages? I can't remember. It was about five years ago. I listened five to the book. Five love languages. One of them is definitely uh, time spent. One of them is gift giving, gift receiving. Words of affirmation. That's it, yeah. Quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. Yeah. So yours, okay, are words of affirmation and... I think quality time. I thought you were going to say receiving gifts. Then so I was going to say what you're basically saying is that I'm just a selfish C-U-N-T. No, I mean, you do. Well, well, I just want you to tell me how great I am and give me presents. Yeah, but that's because my love language is acts of service. Yeah. So doing things for you and giving you gifts. So mm-hmm. you probably could say you receiving gifts is one of your love languages. Basically, I'm just Dean's this big fat <laughs> dosso sits at home and Lucy t- clap no. the house and serves me food. No, but words of affirmation and quality time, I think, are two things that you've always yeah. have been more your love languages, whereas mine's acts of service and physical touch. Yeah. 
100%. I think. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. And also on that point as well, if you are in a relationship, maybe just do that task with your partner and actually realize what your love languages is for each other. Because I remember when we did that and we realized like how significant it it was actually to take note of that. Well, the thing is though, I think you can you can just drift through relationships and never really look at what makes a successful relationship. You're not taught in school what makes a successful relationship, are you? And it's one of the most valuable things that you can ever get in life. And also, like we spoke about last week, can be one of the biggest contributors to happiness. Mm. So talking about it more, what makes a successful one, habits. And also, for later life, of what means that potentially will keep people together for longer periods of time, especially when you start going through big changes, houses, kids, that kind of thing. Because divorce rates and couple breakups... um, I think when I was looking at the stats, about 50, 50% of long-term couples break up. So one in two people listen to the podcast today will break up. Oh, that's sad. And I believe a big factor <laughs> in it. I believe a big factor in this is just down to people not communica- communicating and talking enough. Yeah. Because it's just... Communication is... I mean, a lot of time for guys just being a little bit sexist is they don't open up and talk about it enough. And I was thinking when I was putting some notes together for this podcast... I've been one of those people in my life who only for a small percentile of my life have I been single. I've always been from relationship to relationship. So have I. Apart from obviously when you were when I was a kid in school and when you talk about girls like yeah, yeah, girls. Apart from then I've always been in relationships. I think I have from the age of fourteen. Yeah. I've been pretty much the same. Why are we high fiving now? Because that's just snap. <laughs> <laughs> and I, then yeah. it took us all this time to find each other. Yeah. That's yeah, actually I, interesting. You were in, I think it was. 10 year relationship. Yeah. But you were with three people, I think. Yeah. You have, those, you have those girlfriends, don't you? Or boyfriends or whatever that you have in early life, which is, they're, they're kind of these like learning curves when, yeah. you, when you're kind of like, tw- do you have girlfriends when you're 12, 13? I don't know. Whatever. The, I mean, it's kind of in the playground, like. Yeah. Oh, oh my girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. But I think I had five or six. Did you? Oh, yeah. you. No, but that I was just more so like floating. Yeah. <laughs> that was just floating through. But mm. then we met, and then we knew, and it was solidified. Yeah, well, like we said last week, though, loneliness has been shown to be one of the biggest killers. So I think talking about how habits you can use to de- develop a successful and happy relationship is is key. Yeah, so communication, 100%. And also, it needs to be open communication. And I think communication can become very unhealthy when one partner in the relationship feels the need to influence the other person's thoughts or behaviors. And in that certain situation, you have to set some sort of boundaries. Yeah. Because a lot of the time, one person in the relationship could be really overpowering and they they get all their points across and communicate. And then when the other person starts communicating they can't actually say what they want to say mm-hmm. or they don't feel they can open up because they feel like they're just going to get bashed down yeah. by what they're saying and that's where like boundaries yeah. would have to come in and just that, talk about it that's interesting and i don't want to butcher this statement because i'll get cancelled for it so Carl might be able to correct me a little bit if he's listened to the podcast as well. Jordan Peterson was talking about what people want from relationships, specifically about females, and how that some females believe that they want to be in a relationship where 
they are very overpowering influence the relationship and they basically just have a yes man. But that's not what they actually want. No one wants a relationship where they have all power and control and authority over the other person. Although they think it's my, maybe what they want, they don't actually want that. They want someone who's going to stand up to them and someone who's going to challenge them as well. Because a relationship which is just a dictatorship isn't what you really want. I think the interviewer was it was with that Kathy Newman and she was talking about, well, how do you know what, what know what females want from relationships? And as usual, just like, well, this is what the data provides is of what people want out of relationships. It's not to be ultimately just a power horse and telling other people what to do, even though you think it may be. And also one of the biggest triggers for why relationships start hitting a rocky patch and even eventually cause breakups is new house. So obviously when people move in together, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people learn that through COVID, which is why there's potentially lots of breakups. Marriage. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing at some of this stuff here because I'm no... Even though I was joking before, I'm no expert on relationships and love. I'm guessing with the marriage ones, some people use it as like a plaster over rune. Oh, get married and everything will be okay. Or they realize when they get married, it just doesn't work. Life changes, personally. I Some people get promotions or circumstances change within their lifestyle. And obviously, they have a big one, kids. There's a holiday. It was a holiday yep. on that list. Yeah, holidays there as well. I've just had. I know a lot of people broken up on holidays. No, I do. That's just talking from personal experience with my mates. Imagine coming home. On the plane after you've just split off on a way, you just, you just had the, uh, the the whirlwind of all arguments on holiday. You decided enough's going to be enough. Oh, pass the peanuts, love. Like imagine sitting on the fucking plane next I to someone. I wonder why a holiday. Why? Ho- Do you know why, why I think? Why a holiday. Do you know why I think? That? Because. Try to think of experience if I've ever had a holiday so, disaster. So, for example, well, we've got a holiday come up in three weeks, so we're <laughs> fucked. Yeah, no, we've been on, we've been away together <laughs> no, like the past four years. Yes. Yeah, what I think it may be is think about everyday life. You've got two people; they're going through the life as normal. They've got a lot of things that are keeping them busy. They've got work which takes up eight hours a day. If they go and train, and there's another hour a day. They've got friends who they may go and see in the week. They've got family who they may go and see in the week. They've got other interests and hobbies. If they don't. Even if they live together, they might not spend a ton of time mm. one-on-one together all the time. Now, imagine you've dropped these two people into this environment where they're spending seven to 14 days all day, every day together, which they've never done before. And they start to notice these little things that they don't like about each other, which are just infiltrating within there and like just being magnified ick. by the holiday and everything else around because there's no chance to get away from that. Yeah, so people basically get the ick. I don't I like that terminology, you know. Is that what it means? I don't know what yeah. it really means, but it's like when you start yeah. noticing things that you can't you can't not think about. Yeah. I'm, that's, that's one of my things there. I'm telling you in this relationship now, I don't like the word ish. <laughs> I try to think. I don't think I've ever experienced that. We've, Which? I mean, we've been away plenty of time. I mean, we've been away for months together and we've never experienced, like, of course we've had disagreements and arguments, which I, I feel like people think, like, I don't think perfect relationships exist for one. Like nothing's like the, the word of perfect is just the weird word. And people are always going to have disagreements and conflict and arguments because you have different opinions on stuff. You could categorically not agree on everything. Like even certain things about the house. I'm like, do you like this chair? Like really like, do you, do you like this chair that I'm about to purchase? Suggestive no. language. I'm like, oh my God. But no, I mean, we we <laughs> we do argue about stuff, obviously. And I think it's important that we even do say stuff like that because I think people don't realize we have disagreements, we have conflict, mm-hmm. 
you resolve it, you talk about it. Some are more heated, some aren't as heated. And some are about the most stupid shit. <laughs> well, this is one of the things that I'm going to speak about in a minute. What are you going to say about the rice cake? The four, no, the four <laughs> habits. What was the rice cake one? I think I was, I was in like a really stressful place. And Ben had, he had my rice cakes. <laughs> I don't know how I remember this. It's the house in Manchester. And he took them out of the cupboard. And I don't know why, for some reason, I was like, you could only get them from like a specific shop or something like that. And Ben had put like the whole pack in the bin. And I came upstairs. I was like, going in the cupboard, like, where are my rice cakes? He's like, I've been in there stale. I lost my shit. Like you would not believe. I was like throwing shoes, <laughs> getting the rice cakes out of the bin. <laughs> rice cake cake. <laughs> but that's just kind of the point that sometimes you will have the most ridiculous arguments, be it about a rice cake or not. And then you just accept hug. <laughs> but that, that's about understanding people's situations in certain times that in a relationship, one person's going to go through bad points at some times. Mm. And just because one person's going through a bad period doesn't mean that you then have to be a knob about it and just make it completely toxic. Like you're there to support that person as well yeah, when they're were, having a tough time. And noticing those. One of the big things with the perfect relationships, I think that comes down to comparisons again, like we do with everything else. Mm -hmm. You see this perfect couple on Instagram. Some people may even look at us and think that way, but we're again, just trying to spread some honesty with that. <laughs> I'll be honest, Lucy, you do my head in. No, I don't. You do sometimes, babe. You do as well. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna do you then sometimes. If sometimes you don't piss each other off, there's probably something wrong. Um and I think that's just the God's honest truth. But it's how do you then communicate those things? No one does yeah. not have arguments. And I took these four habits that I'm gonna share today away from Dr. Andrew and John Cummings, mm -hmm. which I think could be quite useful because I was I've been looking at these. And um number one Have you been applying them to our relationship without me even knowing? Mm. Like to know. Let me realize. Let me think if you have. Be curious, not critical. So what that means is understand how you're both different. Mm -hmm. So you can notice each other's strengths, not differences. Because I think with relationships, there is... Some people argue, I think, oh, they're not compatible because they don't have enough similarities. And some people like relationships where it's two polar opposites who come together and they work well together. I think some people will base relationships on, oh, we're, we're too different. But then they don't look at the strengths and the similarities they have. They only look mm -hmm. at the differences. So be curious, not critical. Don't be critical of that other person's differences just because they're not exactly the same as you. Yeah. Number two. I mean, sorry, just on okay, that point on there. We have, we have a lot of similar interests. I mean, we run a fitness business together. We run a podcast together. We are very into the healthy lifestyle. But then our personalities are very quite different, I'd say. Yeah, I'm so laid back that I'd fall over. Whereas I'm so horizontal. Uh, <laughs> no, horizontal. I'm vertical. You're stiffy. Wait, Cal, am I horizontal? No, Ben is horizontal. I am vertical and I'm a perfectionist. Yeah. And Ben <laughs> Ben is the kind of person who puts his box in next to the washing basket. Yeah. And I'm the type of person to not do that. That's the best way to describe our relationship. Well, that's why sometimes it'll complement each other because sometimes a little <laughs> yeah, bit of your organization helps mm. me be more organized. Yeah. Coro, Coro, Coro jug, jugs, jugs, for example. Jugs. And then sometimes a bit of my laid back personality in really times helps. of where we're in stressful situations helps. It's complimenting. Yeah. Number two, be careful not crushing. Be so careful. 
setting ground rules in conflict, which is what we've been talking about then. Mm. So everyone is going to argue, like we just said, but they're by obviously by any means, by the way, there shouldn't be any violence in a relationship no. whatsoever. And if there is, should be reporting straight away. You shouldn't be living in a relationship with violence or feel like you're a sufferer of it and mm-hmm. feel like you can't say anything. And we shouldn't make threats during a, an argument either. So like, um, what was one? I'm going to leave you do this. Like you shouldn't make, shouldn't, even if you don't mean it, you shouldn't make empty threats because yeah. it then is really horrible to the other person. And argue well so that you can, you can treat each other with respect even in those moments. So you can have respectful arguments where you have ground rules and boundaries where you don't overstep them to say something that you don't mean, which is can be irreversible from that other person's memory. Yeah, 100%. Because obviously when you're arguing as well, and this can be in any sort of relationship, whether it's like with a parent, a friend, a partner, you a lot of people kind of see red and they just kind of speak. But I think it, it is a healthy activity to practice amongst yourself to not just say the first thing that comes out because as you said, it can be irreversible sometimes depending on what you say to the person. It could be so hurtful and they might it might take them a couple of weeks to get over it and they just can't get over yeah. this one thing you said to them. And then that's and then the other person's like, why can't you just get over it? But it's always different. You need to understand how what that person said is going to affect your partner emotionally. Yeah. And well, it's I, always different. It's something that I've had to be careful because I am one of those persons, like when I get angry, I'm like, <laughs> I'll say something, then I've got to like reverse what I've said. And it's something that I'm mindful of. <laughs> the other really funny one. What? <laughs> this is again going back to like a couple of years ago. These are just the only really two say. that I remember. It's the shoe one. Yeah, I knew you were going to say Me and Ben had an argument and I can't remember what it was about. It was on Saturday. But Ben was like, I'm going for a walk. I need to just need some space. And so I took, I went downstairs and took one of Ben's shoes. And I was like, you can't go for a walk. I've got your shoe. <laughs> and I'm thinking, it's I was because... like, you've got like 10 pairs of shoes no, next didn't. to me. I, I wasn't living. We oh, you were still at your mum and dad's, weren't yeah. you actually? So yeah, see, house. I had Ben's shoe. So I couldn't go for a walk. And then, and then you know, kiss and make up. Because I was like, I've got your shoe. You can't leave. <laughs> That was, to be fair, at the time, I was not laughing. I was not laughing at the time, but that was my um, extent of, I've got your shoe. You can't go for a walk. Yeah. <laughs> and then we actually, you know, we spoke and then we went on a walk together. Yeah, indeed. With your two shoes. We got the intention behind that. The shoe taken, was it? It's like... <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. When I look back, I don't think I was laughing at the time. But when you look back, you know, Number three. you laugh about it. Number three, ask, don't assume. Yeah, that's a really good one. Get good at having conversations that have us using relevant questions. What are some of the relevant so questions? So that's what I was talking about before. Some people might be having a hard time with certain things that are going on. So I can notice sometimes we have enough time, tough times. It's better to ask questions, not just assume things. Mm. I think you're quite good at that. Because if you ask questions, it will help you open up more rather than closing yourself over by me assuming stuff like oh you're doing you're doing too much of this this is why you feel like this instead mm. ask questions to understand how that person feels well you did that you did that really well yesterday actually just an example so i ran a 40k yesterday if you've noticed i'm really out of breath today <laughs> i don't know why but yesterday after this 40k i couldn't eat i felt so sick and rather than ben being like you need to eat and he was like pressuring he was like are you feeling like how are you feeling after you run like you've not eaten a lot and i was like you know what? I've, I feel really sick. Like I've not eaten him. He drove me to Mackey's <laughs> just because I needed to get calories in. Yeah. 
and he was like, get a burger and whatever. But that was a, that was a great example yeah. of you not being like, fucking hell, like Lucy needs to eat for yeah, God's sake. Yeah, because you would have been more closed off to her. Yeah, I would have been like, shut up and I would have been really offensive. But Ben was like, are you, are you feeling okay? Like, you're not really eating, you've done 40K. Like, no. Number four. Oh, there's more. There's four habits. Oh, okay. I thought there was three. Okay, you can tell Lucy's a good listener. No, I just, <laughs> just con- didn't understand that at the start. Number four, connect before you correct. So, Connect before you correct. Hold back on giving constructive feedback. It's easy to take someone for granted when you are with them all the time. So how do we build warmth and value with each other? What are some of our habits that keep fun and intimacy in the relationship? Because we run a business together. So we talk about the business all of the time, or we can do. So we can just end up talking about that all the time. How do we get, how do we make sure that we're connected on different levels rather than just allowing life to pass by? And in some other relationship, this might be because people have a house, they have kids, they have other responsibilities going on. So all they end up talking about is what is going on in life, not about the things that they enjoy about each other, or the things that they enjoy doing together and how that can better the relationship and have better balance to connect on deeper levels and be happier. Yeah, I think that's a really good one that we became very aware of yeah. very soon on because technically now we have two businesses together we're doing one right now yeah. the not so fit cool podcast which if you are not subscribed on youtube we'll leave a review that's fine mm. so we've got the not so fit cool podcast and we've got the app and then we both have fitness pages and whatnot together and um, because we've been doing this me and ben have nearly been together for four years now but we've always done <laughs> did you just breathe out no yeah. that was cool i thought you were like oh god yeah, four years. it's been a fucking task <laughs> um it's been a job in itself because myself and ben we've basically we started working together like briefly before we even got together so it's something that we've always done and we set boundaries at the start i mean i admit along the four years sometimes it's been really intense like pre-app we always th- thought about was the business yeah. and there were certain times where we were like look shut the laptops we need to get out of the house we need to go on a walk and we, we can't, we used to say to each other, we're not talking about the app. Yeah. We're not talking about anything to do with work. And then we were like, how's And we speak about something completely different. We talk about what's happening in the world. We talk about anything. And that was a really good thing we did do from the start was set those boundaries. And maybe if you're sat there listening at home where you think you always talk about one particular thing, and it's the same thing over and over, maybe something you both have in common or whatever it is, just kind of broaden your topics of communication. I think that's one thing like the podcast really helps with. Yeah, yeah. Even like last week when that calories thing did come out, we like chatted about that. We then spoke about something else in the news. We spoke about one of the things where someone was like... I think what I'm trying to get at even more so than that is though, is that there are still things that we talk about. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about like bigger picture work kids house they that calorie thing still work related mm. these things technically for it, us yeah is getting away from the things that just happen every day because if you're not self-aware and you just talk about the things that are happening now all the time rather than the things and the habits and the things that you enjoy you just end up in a relationship being there to survive rather than thrive you mm. want a relationship that's built on things that you enjoy doing collectively together and talking about those things and doing those things so you just don't float along okay so like when we watch Harry Potter, when we've booked it, when we've already pre-booked stuff for next weekend. Going to the zoo. Doing going to the show. zoo. 
you took a lot of interest actually yesterday when I was sticking my labels on my jars because that's yeah. something that really interests me. I know you weren't interested. You're like, what's going in this one? I was like, pasta. I'm, I'm so interested because you are because they look great. They look really good. Well, about everybody, it's from IKEA. Maybe I should be sponsored by IKEA. But no, yeah, okay, sorry, I get your point there. I thought we were talking about general things. Yeah. I should not talk about work. But yeah, that is a massive thing in a relationship. And even if you're, I guess, not massively interested in what your partner is interested in, try and make an effort to be mm-hmm. a little bit interested or read up on something that they spoke about and be like, oh, I actually read this about that thing you were talking about, space. And it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, you don't need to fake it, but just try and show that level of interest in something that your partner is also interested in. You might find a new hobby also. Mm. I look at this other thing as well, which is big factors that contribute to people's downfalls. Three of the big things were stress. Mm -hmm. And this is is something you've got to be careful because everyone has or can have stressful things in life and jobs and stressful periods. And if you take how you feel out on your partner, even though it's not your partner's fault, you just going for a stressful time. You can start to pick up on a lot of these things that maybe never pissed you off, but now piss you off more because you're in a heightened mood or you're in a heightened level of stress that never would have happened unless you got there. So be careful during those periods. Mm-hmm. Number two is the blame game. It's your fault, not mine. It's your fault. It's yeah. And, and really trying to rattle out of an argument of whose fault it is. It's never going to come down to a good end point. And number three is just anger. Nothing ever is going to, good's going to come out of when you're angry. You're ever going to make good decisions when you're in that red mist. mist. Yeah, I think the the blame one's a really interesting one because I feel like that probably took us a while because we're both quite stubborn. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes from having more of a stubborn personality yeah. where you cannot physically feel like you can accept that you have done something wrong. And that's where it is so much easier to say, yeah, fucked up, sorry. Even if you do it in that sense, like, yeah, really, really sorry, it's not my fault. <laughs> but just, I think that is one of the things that actually can be really hard, even now still when you've done something, you know, you fucked up and it's like, oh my yeah. God, it was me, not them. And then you can't admit to it, but then just saying, I'm so sorry, that was like, that was definitely my fault. I apologize. You then just actually really swiftly move on from the argument or conflict or conversation that you're having. It really does just like cut it in the books. because then the other person's yeah. like, yeah, cool, okay. The other person will be like, ha, told you so. I mean, some people might if they're an absolute yeah. bitch. <laughs> but Can't you shouldn't do that. Yeah, no, you shouldn't do that. You just move on. It's like, cool. Yeah, sorry. I apologize. It's, it's, it's easier said than done. Yeah, like, yeah, it is. It's well, fucking hard to suck the bullet. Yeah, when you're stubborn as well. Oh, goodness. It's like taking a, it's like swallowing a hard ball. Yeah. You know when you get the hard ball? Sucking a bullet, yeah. If I suck it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah <laughs> what cow. do you mean? Bite that bitch. Sucking a bullet. You blow it. Yeah, suck it and <laughs> pop it out. <laughs> um, the, we talk about things that can potentially be breakup scenarios or things that can really fracture relationships. But things going in, if you're someone who's going into a relationship or single and looking at things, I think for me, just a couple of notes that I made on or more questions, for example, do you think that you should have to have stuff in common with that person? Is this just directed at me yeah. or is this the general population? It's you, I'm asking you. I believe you do need things in common. As me as an individual, I... There's no right or wrong answer, by the way. Just I personally would have to be with someone who 
where health was a priority. Not mm. in like you have to go to the gym. You could be a golfer. It, that's not the point. It's yeah. just having that mental well-being that you want to look after your health. Yeah. Is a so yeah. I guess that's a complete similarity. What about you? Yeah, I think having stuff in common helps what you enjoy be heightened because you're sharing it with someone else. Mm. I understand how other people like there's gonna be certain things that I don't in all honesty give a shit about that you do sometimes but i'll show interest in stuff because i know that how it makes you you feel yeah and at the end of the day i want you to be happy because my happiness is also based on you being happy as well well that's even like the formula one when you started watching i was like oh what are you talking about you've been pretending the whole time that you don't like no no that wasn't my point you started watching f1 ages it was like, like ages ago I was like, oh, all I can hear Did was... Did you hate it? You, like, let's be honest now. Let's have, a, let's have an honest Nyeh. conversation. That's all I could Do hear. Do you hate F1? No, I absolutely love it because you said, just sit down. Good, because I was about to pack and... a fucking bar. Yeah. <laughs> just sit down and watch an episode of this, which is the new Netflix series. I sat down and watched one episode. So I took interest in Ben's hobby. I was obsessed and because that series was so good. And I love watching the F1 now. I'm like, yeah, Lewis Hamilton came fourth. I know why, because his car's not 100%. And the films. I know all the facts. I've seen all the films. Le Mans 66, Drive. Do the Nicky Lauda impression. Nicky Lauda. <laughs> 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 but that's, I took an interest in in one of your hobbies, yeah. things. I mean, I'm still getting there with the Everton. I learned all the, the songs. There's no point in getting there with Everton, because but it's, I, a sad, um, it's a sad time at the moment. I mean, when it is on the telly, I just find myself veering towards the lounge yeah but i learned all the the songs for you you did not happening again the other downfall i think is sometimes expectations yeah having high expect or having way higher expectations of what you should go into a relationship that could be based on comparisons of what you believe a perfect relationship may be but i think that's a downfall for some people because you don't give people a chance yeah because people can be so picky yeah and if you're if you're shallow hal that's a good film if you're so i guess you've got these expectations in your head there might not be someone who ticks the boxes on your your list of 20 expectations Mm. and so say they tick like 17 of 20 but you're not going to give them a chance because there's just yeah that's being a perfectionist being a perfectionist yeah and i think you just need to give people the time of day and just see if you actually get on with them. But that's that thing. And we've had this discussion when we had ESG on the podcast was about your free non-negotiables. I believe you, this is just me as well, by the way, there's no right and wrong. You should be able to have free non-negotiables that you either looking for in a person or a massively turn off for you in a, in a person. And then the other things are just things that you, I don't know if you, if the words learned to love about them, but they're part of people's character. Mm. So, you accept, you accept the person and you love who they are, but I think you can have three non-negotiables. Yeah, I think so too. Maybe three, three to five. Okay, but not like twenty. Some big criteria to me. Yeah, but you're you are the you are the, the expectation. Package. Yeah, you're the whole the package. package. <laughs> 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 Kyle picked up that I said yeah. package. <laughs> Lucy's got this thing, by the way, where every single town in the in the no. English language, she's gonna have her own dictionary. Soon. She's <laughs> oh, gal! Should we name some? Well, Lucy, yeah. a normal person might call it a blueberry. What would you call it? Blub. Okay. Let, let, what would Gary Gary Lee say? What do you mean? If he had to speak, because he loves blueberries, doesn't he? I don't know. Blueberry? 
<laughs> that was really good. Wait, I need more. Uh, we need to think. Cinnamon. Oh, yeah. Cinnamon. Straw. Cinnamon. Rasps. Oh, Why is it all fruit? Yeah. See, oats is not. You made uh, up a new one the other day and I can't remember what it was. But the funniest thing like, is. Ca- like Cameroon. It's a camera. Oh, yeah, the Cameroon. Kyle, you got the Cameroons. Yeah. yeah. I just, I think it gives a bit more zazz to. You're just butchering all. Everything. All language. Chick. Chick on. No, chick on. You call chick and chick on. We. we. I. No, we. No, you but the other day, Ben, ben said it. Have you, yeah. What ben, did I say? Blubs. God. So actually, influence, these fucking influencers. Yeah, there you go, blubs. Big question for Nibs. you. This is where I could be end up single by the end of today's podcast. Ready? Mm. Should this is me asking the question? By the way, there's no lead <laughs> or suggestive language used in this question. Should human beings be monogamous? I don't understand the question. So monogamous basically means where you are loyal to one relationship you only have sex with one person involving marriage to one person at a time because you have these relationships that, that are... oh as in like in comparison to open relationships yeah so I mean, if... there's there's a lot of there's a lot of um people doing research at the moment on whether human beings actually should be monogamous and whether we're sort of born to be because less than 10% of mammal species are monogamous compared with, for example, birds are monogamous. So 90% of bird species are even in primates where it's more common, only a quarter of species are monogamous and also our early ape ancestors weren't monogamous and the practice they reckon probably didn't take off until Homo erectus emerged around 1.9 million years ago. I personally do you think, for me personally, relationships should be monogamous Mm -hmm. because I would not share emotional, physical, sexual relationships with someone else if I was with a person Mm -hmm. because I think it's called cheating. That's just my take on it. Like I don't, I personally couldn't date someone who was dating someone else. I'd be like, make make your choice. I'll fuck off if you want someone else. Like that's just, and I understand people don't want that. So I guess that's just absolutely personal preference. What about you? Yeah, I obviously believe in you should be monogamous to relationships. I've just found it interesting since I was looking at this question today. Who um, there's a couple of people like there's a guy called Christopher Ryan, who's an author of Sex at Dawn, and he tells about like how humans did not evolve to be sexually monogamous species, which is evidenced by the fact that we really only have one sexual partner in our entire lives, and he suggests that having one partner at a time is isn't isn't monogamy. It is actually fits into the category of serial pol- polygyny, which I don't know what the exact term for that means, but I think it probably means the opposing to monogamy. Um, so, and there's a lot of research and evidence that people have looked at to show that like we shouldn't be monogamous, and that's why people cheat in relationships. By the way, I'm not saying that is right. I believe in monogamous relationship. I've just found it interesting, like the amount of stuff in the different species that. Aren't. It's even weird with apes, isn't it? Because mm. th- there's only one dude who's allowed to fuck the females, and that's the alpha. And that's how it's always been. Any of the other females sleep with anything else. It's like when in time I told you about Chester Zoo, when the female got thrown in the, in the most yeah, because the she slept with someone else mm. who wasn't the alpha. Yeah. Also, ev- evolutionary psychologists have suggested that men are more likely to have ex- extra m- extramarital sex partially due to the male air to spread genes by broadcasting sperm. 
to percent males are more likely to cheat apparently really is that a stat i don't know how true that is so again i could be wrong but that's just what um one evolutionary psychologist has suggested it's yeah see one of my non-negotiables is someone cheating why the fuck would it be like you don't want to enter a relationship to be... unless there's that understanding that you're uh, not in a yeah that you're, yeah, you're yeah, not yeah. in a monogamous relationship yeah well yeah but both people would you'd meet someone and be like i i'm in an open relationship like i date numerous people you couldn't just go for a first date and be because then that's not fair on the other person some people enjoy know. that kinky shit don't they like <laughs> no yeah the people who do those key swap things and people who are swingers and stuff people have oh yeah I mean, there's a lot of different sexual things that I probably have never even heard of because I've not been a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> like I wouldn't, I wouldn't at all know. The only thing that I've seen is from like films yeah, and stuff like that when you go into it in that detail. I think it's just, I think it's a weird one for me because if you're trying to develop a life with someone else and a relationship with someone else and a big part of that is being faithful and you want to be a good parent as well and be a good influence to your kids. I, I don't see how that can really be the case if you're in a relationship that's not monogamous. I just don't think it sets good principles for showing other kids how it's fine to not abide by certain set of rules or societal standards that should exist inside a successful relationship. But then again, if you're entering in a non-monogamous relationship maybe those ground rules are set already i don't know but i just don't think it's set a good principle you know who did a really interesting documentary on this louis through did he yeah this is where i'm remembering it from there was a it what they've got it's got a different name it's not just an open relationship there this guy was married oh uh, i think i saw some of this one but it was like there was four of them so it was two guys but they were all married they had like a full ceremony yeah. and they had kids but the kids grew up thinking open relationships were more normal than monogamous relationships. Yeah. The documentary is super interesting. I can't remember what it's called, but it's hyping Louis through open relationships. I think it should come up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, per complete personal preference for me. I have one partner and I will always have one partner. So I'm just Googling something. Oh, Louis Theroux's. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what it would be called, but I mean, I love Louis through. He's done so many different documentaries that I've, I haven't seen anyone else documenting the way that he does it. I think he's very, very clever and good at what he does. Have you found it? No, I was looking at this other study of, again, I don't know how much truth there is in it, but one in five British adults admitted to having an affair. Oh, that's awful. 20%. Is an affair when, once you're married? I don't know if you can, if if one's cost a cheat when you're not married and one's cost an affair. I don't know how it's real. Yeah. So, Lou, uh, Lou, that documentary is called uh, Love Without Limits, and it's talking about polyamory. That's it. Polyamory. That's what I was That's talking about one. with that. With that, Christopher Ryan was talking about. Yeah. He suggests that maybe it is weird though, because as as human beings, we're one of the only I suppose species that is deemed it to be a societal norm to be monogamous. Whereas all other species aren't. But we're humans. I know. That's what I'm saying. Maybe it's weird to everyone else that we're monogamous. Yeah, all other animals. Not that they're probably looking at it and going, oh, look at them. So <laughs> yeah, she, she, she was fucking out last week when he was at home. She didn't tell him. <laughs> all the she birds was, and she, bees. She was getting a leg over and had the car park when he doesn't know about. Oh, that's awful. See, I, I really, um, like that is like my hard pass. Like cheating is a categoric. You text someone else, cheating. 
You kiss someone else cheating. You text someone else no, cheating. No, like you're texting someone else oh, yeah, behind your partner's back. Um, obviously sex, meeting someone behind your partner's back. It's all for me. Hard pass, no. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been cheated on, so I I know, not by Ben, by, by the way. <laughs> just to make that yeah, one point out. Like no, in previous relationships, I've been cheated on, so I know how it feels. And it's not, it's not a nice thing. I just think it's fucking rude and it's nasty. Mm-hmm. So that's one of my non-negotiables. And I've always known it's one of your non-negotiables. Any, I don't think it's not going to be anyone's non-negotiables. No, I, no, I, I don't. Think I think it should be non-negotiable. Because we came onto the topic of relationships, I was watching a video. Uh, no, I was watching a talk about it. And she's talking about non-monogamous relationships. Just, It's obviously strange because mm. we come from a, a background society where monogamous relationships are the norm. And then you see kind of this other subcategory of people who enter into those type of relationships which you don't hear a lot about i don't think apart from that obviously documentary that you've watched mm. and how massively they believe in it and also how happy they are in those relationships yeah. or, or how they would deem to portray that they are happy in them yeah they're absolutely happy in this documentary they're and that's great i don't if know that if makes could, them happy i don't know if you could have long-term happiness in it though would it get to a point where you become massive you you develop such feelings that you don't want to share it with other people? Well, one of the relationships did have that. There you go. One of the, it was two girls and a guy and they were all married or in a relationship and one of the women felt the other one was getting more attention and she couldn't, she couldn't cope with it, which highlighted to her that she couldn't basically do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Do you know what will never cheat on you though? Dark chocolate coconut bites and coro. So on that note, I'm going to eat some of these. I'm going to have these ones because I actually prefer these ones, uh, which are the I've been smashing them up and putting them in my oats as well. That's a good idea. It's a really good idea. But yeah, what's the code for that again, just so people can remember? Uh, the not so, not fit so five. five. Not so fit five. Not so fit five to get a discount at Coro. Let us the know in the description. Yeah, let us know in the YouTube comments if you get those as well and let us know what you got. Yeah, but, but we're also pending a guest. We are trying to get a love therapist on, which I think will be a yeah. super cool episode. Gosh, that's going to be traumatizing, Intense. isn't yeah. it? <laughs> couple therapy here we go yeah no that would be a really good episode though i think yeah i think we'd be quite an interesting one to delve into i think we cool just for people to, to listen to the other cool thing we're, we're doing this weekend the new fantastic beast film is out yeah something dumbledore what's Se- it secrets? called the secrets of dumbledore yeah is it good cal don't give it away to people it's really good it's yeah. way better than the second one I, f- I thought the second one was a bit crap but the third one was class it's really good amazing okay crap. that makes me really happy to be fair, I'm a big Harry Potter fan and I fell asleep a little bit in the second one. Didn't remember. No, it was the first one you fell asleep. It wasn't. When you, we went to London. No, it was the second one. That's how long ago it was. I think Ben, honestly, he has this thing. He, like, he books like later cinema times. Like, you know, where the film starts at like half eight and I finish at like half ten, eleven. <laughs> Batman, I turned and looked to my side and... <laughs> He was like comped nah. out. I was like nudge him. And then he's done it for Harry Potter as well. I didn't fall asleep. I did that thing, you know, where sometimes I've done it at uni before. I think I spoke about this. I'd, in uni, it's not like you're asleep. But your eyes were shut. I was in a lecture. So I'm like this. If people watch on YouTube, I'm in a lecture. You know, you're <laughs> for only for only two seconds. But within that two seconds, this is what happens. No! <laughs> this real, sorry if I've deafened anyone. This, this real sound, which is uncontrollable just comes out no idea where it comes from comes deep deep from within and you've never made the sound at any other stage in your entire existence of a human being apart from this one time so obviously what i tried to do straight after this this sound comes out 
<laughs> trying to cough over it. Yeah, but, but that's so... what happens when I was in the movies. I have these slight momentary incidents incidents of just going, hmm. Uh, no, you're you not were, asleep, but I'm kind of definitely. Ready. My, my brain's keeping me up. I thought it's doing, huh? Stay away, Ben. <laughs> it's like yesterday when we were watching Harry Potter. I turned and your eyes were shut. I noticed you and you went, Why are you asleep? <laughs> I went, I wasn't asleep. You were asleep. He does this thing. I was like, Why do you want to go to bed? <laughs> no, no, I'm not tired. Two minutes later, his eyes are shut. He asked, You're just obviously quite, I think you're just a little bit fatigued uh, at this moment in time. But Ben be fair, also. I am fatigued because honestly, I haven't spoken about that much on the podcast. And I might speak about it at some other stage. These IBS symptoms that I've got at the moment, on a serious note, are really wiping me out and they making me really fatigued and in a lot of pain. Uh, I've released a YouTube on it, YouTube video on it, if you want to watch it last week, it's on my channel at the moment. Just talking about the, the FODMAP diet that I'm having to do at the moment because I've not found anything else that really works and even still I'm getting some flare-ups. Um, I'm not going to say if you've got any advice, please fire it over because I think people have good intentions when offering advice. And some of the bits have been good, but I think if you have too many mm. chefs, it sometimes spoils the soup. And I'm just currently undergoing some tests with the doctors to see if you can find out any information of why. Yeah, 100%. So we obviously spoke about so much in today's episode. We really hoped you enjoyed it. Obviously, if you did, make sure you let us know by giving us a review. If you were that traumatized by Cal eating into the mic, please don't give us a one-star review. <laughs> that was so funny. Um, but yeah, as always, guys, we will... Also, the challenge is currently underway. Oh my God, yeah, the challenge has been going on for four days. Does it mean that you can't join the challenge, by the way, or you can't join the school? Oh yeah. You can join at any stage. Um, so get involved. We'll also leave the link in the description. You can get a seven-day free trial on the MyCode school using the code NOTSOFIT20. I'm going to change that code, by the way, because it doesn't make sense. It's NOTSOFIT20. It'll give you a seven-day free trial on the app using the link in the description of the YouTube video. As Lisa said, please leave a review because it's massively massively helpful to us by the way especially as shortly we will have the british podcast awards coming up yes indeed that is super exciting we'll tell you more about that in next week's episode have a wonderful day or evening wherever you are in the world and we'll catch you in next week's episode bye, bye guys